know how I know summer's coming to a close? Oh, let me see. How can I count the ways? You, you, you hear the cicadas. That's exactly what I was going to say. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh. We were sitting outside the other day, and between the birds and the cicadas, I thought, this is the life. But this, the cicadas are such a great summer sound, I, at least in my humble opinion. I went to stay a couple of days, well, actually one night, two days and one night, at my friend's place near Mohican oh, yeah. State Park. And for some reason at night, I went out, maybe I went out to my car to get something. Yeah. And I stepped out onto the porch and listening to the night sounds. Oh. Uh, the, it was not the cicadas, it was the other things. And I'm not quite sure what they were, the, the katydids and probably crickets. Sure. And, and all the other sounds, and then maybe a little bit of a, maybe a, a nocturne bird of sure. some sort. A lot of things I couldn't identify. It was wonderful. It's like nature and, and a little eerie, but it was wonderful because <laughs> his his house is surrounded by forest. Yeah, what a wonderful time of year this is. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially as we get to the end of August, they go, "Hey, we get to start doing fall things." And I think pretty much everybody likes fall in some capacity. So. Good things are coming. And, and among all those fall things is the bonfire. Oh, you yeah. Know, we have fires during the summer, but it's not the same. No, you sit at a fire and you just get hot because it's hot outside. At least I <laughs> Yeah, I do. All right. So this weekend, we are on the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Final, Which is August 29th. Final weekend of the month. And we finished John 6. We finally get back to Mark's gospel. Meanwhile, we back at Mark. <laughs> Right after, when was the last time we heard? By the from way, Mark? did we introduce ourselves today? Hey everybody, my name is Mark, and this is no, Father you're, Mark. you're Mike, and oh. I'm, you're Michael, and I'm Father Mark. No, I'm Father Herb. Father Mark's at St. Pat's. Another yeah. great priest. We like him too. Wonderful, yes. Um, but this is the Gospel of Mark, chapter seven. It's been since July, probably now, that we've heard yes. from Mark. So that's why I said, meanwhile, back at Mark. We, the, are, like the we might as well enter into the gospel reading, which is chapter 7, if you're following. And it is not straight through. It's broken up. Sure. So there's verses 1 to 8, then it skips a couple. Verses 14, 15, it skips a couple. And verses 21 to 23. Now, you're probably wondering why. And I think the answer is because it, it tries to provide a train of thought. Sure. So, uh, wouldn't you, by the way, like to be in the, those meetings whenever they took place to decide what scripture readings were going to be read when during the liturgical year and what verses would be? I often think and, about that. I don't know if I'd want to be part of it. Now, some of their conclusion goes back centuries. You know, this is how the church read these passages before us. Yeah. Others, I who knows. Uh, a lot of it is not that old because before the Second Vatican Council, there there was only one rotation of scripture readings. The Tridentine Mass, which people often refer to as the Latin Mass, but it was more than just the, the language Latin. Sure, there were a lot of other things that were different, but the Tridentine ma Mass had one passage before the gospel. So it was called the epistle and then the reading of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it was a one year rotation. So we had the same thing every year. So when they came up with the new missile towards the, the end of the 1960s, it's called the Paul, uh, Paul the sixth missile for Pope Paul the sixth. Mm -hmm. 
they they put more emphasis on the scriptures and they went from two readings to really four because it's the first reading the psalm right the second reading and the gospel they also went into a three-year rotation so if you are at every sunday mass for three years you pretty much have read all of the gospel all four gospel passages yeah that's pretty cool yes so anyway so um when they put that together, and it took them years to do that, so the council ended in December of 1965, and the first version of the new missile came out in 68, and I think they had it like a, a temporary version for a year or two okay. before it was finalized. See, I don't, all I've ever known is what we do now. I know. But anyway, it, it what we have is wonderful, and if anybody finds themselves saying it was the good old days, we should go back. They did not live in those days. And what's interesting, too, you know, this is number 209. So we've done 209 episodes of this podcast. So And we, you're still learning. Well, so are you, I think. I, I Yes, for sure. So it's beautiful because we're, we're even having discussions on similar scripture readings that we did, you know, three years ago. But we're highlighting different things. So I just... It's just a fun experience. I, I enjoy it a lot. You know what? You and you're pretty good. You company. should have just dug out the the podcast from three years <laughs> we'll ago. Have we can play, play that again. A rerun. <laughs> the best of. Yeah. That's assuming there's any best from the archives. All right, let's read the gospel. Okay, uh, we're going to break it a little bit because it is long, but it's also. I think we'll just break it into. Uh, I will read the second part where it says he responded. Okay. Oh, yes, I see it. So it means you get to read the first part. When the Pharisees, with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed, hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within and they defile. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It hurt each time you read one of those words. It felt like you were 
you were I, I, coming right I, at me. I went a little heavy on the drama reading those. You but, did. Because I think sometimes we just run, race through them. When you read this at Mass this weekend, do you want me to do like, we can do like music underneath this? Or you could be building it. You could say, adultery, ba-bum. You yes. Know, we can, <laughs> maybe. No, I, you don't have to. Let the words speak for themselves. The words do speak well. <laughs> All right. But it's that whole thing from the outside to the inside. It's, you know, it's so easy. Jesus noticed this, and I've noticed it. It's so easy to turn your religious practice into an external show. Yes. I think some people do it intentionally. I mean, not, not to be hypocritical, but they intentionally think that if I bow deeply, if I uh, genu genuflect slowly, if I kneel for an extra five minutes, that somehow this is what the church wants me to do in my relationship with God. And obviously, there's nothing wrong with bowing. There's certainly nothing wrong with kneeling before the Lord. But that's an external manifestation of the internal, mm -hmm. not vice versa. So you want the internal to be changed. And Jesus says it's all about a change of heart. Right. Now, do you know the good Greek word that means change of heart? I don't, but I bet you're going to tell me. And as soon as I say it, you're going to say, oh, oh I knew I it. Knew it. Right, go ahead. Are you ready? Yeah. Metanoia. Of course I knew it. Yeah. Actually, I did. I know that word. Yeah, a change of heart. And that's what, so Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you know, it's like, okay, guys, you're here. You're trying to, and the Pharisees actually started off as a, a good group. Right, they weren't bad guys. They weren't bad guys. They they were basically a, a group of laity. I think they formed 100 years to 150 years before Christ. But their whole goal was to renew the fervor of the Jews. Okay. And so they thought that some of the Jews were getting sloppy and pra practicing the Hebraic uh, law. Okay. So they said, let's, let's take it to heart and make it more serious. Mm -hmm. So what they often did was they, they took, well, let's put it this way. They did not want anybody to come close to breaking the commandments. Mm -hmm. So they built little, what were called fences, little fences around the commandments. And these were their little ritual laws. So you, so if you don't break the ritual laws because it's a fence, you're not getting close to breaking one of the commandments of God. They're like little it, tiny checkpoints. Yeah, like checkpoints. It would like be a little alarms that would set you off so that <laughs> you're, right. you're getting too close to breaking a commandment. That's like whenever I go to an art museum, without fail, I set off an alarm at some point because my nose or my, my feet get too close to a piece of art. And, you know, they've got those alarms and somebody is that true? Yeah, you like at the National Gallery down at the Smithsonian. Is your nose that long? No, I just like to look at things. I'm very inquisitive. But really close up. Yeah, like there's lines on the floor, and if you cross them with any part of your body, alarms go off. I've never had that happen. Well, you obviously don't love art as much as I do. I love so. it. <laughs> I, I, well, you got to get closer. I look at the perspective from afar. Yeah, you know, it's very, <laughs> you look at the perspective. That's actually probably a good definition for most of the differences between us. Um <laughs> But in some ways, it's very, it's very similar. I like that image of setting off the little, the yeah, little and alarms. That, so anyway, so they had all these rules. Like, well, you, you have to wash your hands. 
Now, obviously, nowadays we're telling everybody to wash their hands. Please but wash diff- your hands. Different reasons. For 20 seconds. But they had to wash their hands. They knew nothing about uh, germs or bacteria or anything like that. But they had, it was a ritual ablution. But they had all kinds of other things. They would, they would purify the cups and jugs. There's a passage, I think it's in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus says, you know, you wash the outside of the cup and you leave the inside filthy. Mm. And I always think, oh, yeah, I forget. You know, I left some coffee in my cup before I left on vacation and came back. <laughs> and the cup was still sitting on my desk a your week po- later. Your poor cup. There was some green stuff growing, and it, oh. was, it was coming out, and it was attacking me. And <laughs> <laughs> He had to fight it off? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this There's so much that could be said about this passage, especially in, in comparison to our modern times. Um, that sometimes we get so rigid in rules that we forget what is at the heart of the matter. Now, of course, we've also gone the other way. Oh, sure. You know, where people say, oh, my heart's in the right place so I can do what I want. No, that's not what Jesus is saying either because he's the one who gives you that incredible list. Right. But he says, get your heart with God. And the heart has to be in that spirit of the Lord, um, you know, living for others, uh, totally in love with the Lord, other-minded, and not just trying to see, do I feel good about this? Yeah, it's 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 very selfless. So if you let me read that list again, evil thoughts. Well, what's the, what's the thing about evil thoughts? Well, obviously, whether it's evil whether you're talking about questions of purity or you're talking about questions of anger. Mm-hmm. Anyway, evil thoughts and how many times a thought ends up leading to some action. Unchastity, um, that was probably fornication is a, a better translation. Mm-hmm. Theft, theft is also always destructive. And sometimes we justify th- people, I don't, but people try to justify theft. Well, Walmart's got so much they won't miss this. Sure. <laughs> uh, right. Murder, of course, in John's, uh, Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, you've heard thou shalt not kill, and I tell you, if you hold hatred, you've already killed them in your heart. Hmm. Uh, adultery, I think that speaks for itself because adultery was considered one of the great sins because it, it breaks the bond between a man and a woman, which is also supposed to be the covenant between God and the people. Greed, wow, that's behind so many horrible actions sure malice you know malice is basically again setting yourself off against others deceit uh how many times there's a little deceit here there the the lying or you know we uh, people color the truth uh we hear a lot about that Mm -hmm. uh licentiousness okay i have no idea what that is Okay, you're going to Google it real fast so we can get a really good definition. Well, I'm going to copy and paste it because that's a long word to type. Hold on. <laughs> uh, let me just tell you, it's not good. It's lacking legal or moral restraints, especially disregarding sexual restraints, licentious behavior, licentious revelers, marked by disregard for strict rules of correctness. Okay, I love that. Lacking restraints. How cool. That's a good phrase because people... Give in to impulses. Oh, yes. You're saying that like you're in favor of it. No, I'm no. just saying <laughs> I, we all do that. You know, yeah. how, how often, you know, you try to, you as a parent, you 
try to control your children's impulses and give them some boundaries to live within. But as an adult, is any other than like hopefully people that love you and care about you, is anybody doing that for you? Are they giving you boundaries and and I don't mean like a constricting restraint, literally like holding you down. But do you have boundaries that did, you did you live see within? the the thing in the it was in the news yesterday or the other day uh, about the man who was giving a hard time to the flight attendant on the plane? Oh, they literally and they finally taped him. They duct taped him seat. to the seat. They yes. taped him into a seat. I did Talk about that. restraints, right? The power of duct tape. Yeah, that tape. Whoever invented that, it makes prom <laughs> dresses. It fixes duct work. So many uses. Yeah. <laughs> All right, keep going. Okay. Uh, envy. Envy is... Oh, this uh, is huge. About relationships with other people, but I have found envy has little to do with the other person, has everything to do with our satisfaction with who we are. Sure, but in in the world of social media, you know, in the world where everybody posts the best parts of their life, it's very easy for people to sit and go, oh, look how great they have it. Oh, poor me. You know, it's very, I think more than ever, envy is something that we all can suffer. Can we suffer from envy? I guess so, yes. Um, well, we suffer from the temptation to envy. Yeah, that's good. Keep going. You should do this professionally. Blasphemy. Okay, again, the whole question of, you know, do we have any sense of reverence? Do we have sense of the, the holy? Mm-hmm. And do we, do we speak well of the holy arrogance i know a lot of arrogant arrogant people there. you're looking it, right at me no oh, good. i'm looking at you because we're doing the podcast only, together my friend there's only two of us yeah no arrogant is basically it uh we put ourselves in the center of attention sure. all the time yeah now folly folly is often defined as kind of foolishness well, it's, yeah, but foolish, we don't consider that sin so much as stupidity. But folly is almost like choosing the wrong in spite of the fact that we know it's the wrong. We, It's like being aware of consequences, but we go ahead and do it anyway. Mm. That's very childlike, actually. In some, in or some childish. Way. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. I, I think of childlike as a good thing. Childish is not a good thing. Uh, I, I like that. Okay. I'll support that. Okay. All right. All these evils come from within and they defile. Mm. So there. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a real pick-me-up this weekend, folks. <laughs> come to church and you'll feel real good I'm about it. I'm getting yourselves. it all out of my system now. So, <laughs> But but it, it is a temp- well, not a temptation, a challenge for the, the homilist. How do you preach on this without it being just a moralistic lecture? Yeah. Do you think okay, that... Okay, I'm asking that question. How, oh, you're asking how, me that. I, well, I, I'm turning it from that question to a question, yes. Do, okay, let me... I'm going to spin it back at you. Do you think sometimes people need a moralistic lecture to help them check where they're at in the decisions they make? Well, we may de- be defining moralistic differently, but the answer is no. I think people need to be reminded of where the duct tape is, you know, holding us back. <laughs> sure. We do need to know there's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Moralistic, I define as almost pointing at somebody and, you know, and basically not giving them hope. Yeah. You you can change anybody out of fear or out of sense of guilt. A little bit 
or for a short amount of time. Yeah. But then it won't last long, so you have to do it all over again. And you do it heavier, heavier and heavier. Right. So that's not the real way to change people's behavior. And Jesus was right on target. He said, change the heart. Get the heart in the right place. Yeah. What would happen? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but what would happen if your heart was in the wrong place? In my body? Yeah. Like physically? Yeah, physically. That wouldn't probably be great. That would probably mess up everything, right? Sure. I would assume so. Your whole system would have to change, and it would probably leave you looking, you know, walking differently, or who knows? <laughs> I'd be even more strange than I already am. And so Jesus is saying, get your heart in the right place. I think it also we have to remember, too, that it this doesn't it doesn't win people over for Christ, right? So you, you, you're talking about in, in a homily, what does a homilist do? Probably 80 to 90% of the people that you preach to on the weekends— you're, you're preaching to the to the choir, right? They're already believers. You know, they're here because they're choosing to come to church for the most part. If if we as a church are trying to evangelize and and bring other people to Christ, you don't start with all the things they're doing wrong. You you start by having them have that sense of hope, a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance, yeah. a sense well, of love. I'm going to be a little careful here. I don't believe everybody who comes to church is already ready for Christ. I think a lot of them want to be. Sure. Okay, so... I agree with you, but yeah. I'm saying that they're already in the door. Yeah. There's and, a lot of people not and, in the door. And it's really... It's stupid to just uh, say, folks, you know, those people who don't go to church, they're the ones who are make, uh, doing something wrong because you're talking to people who already have gone to church. Sure. Oh, 100%. All right, friends, so you're going to have to see what he chooses to preach on this weekend. It will be a mystery. Probably following. Right. <laughs> All right, friends, we'll see you this weekend.